What's up, interpreters? My name is Katie Heeman. I am the internal co-chair for the Young Professionals Council. What's up, interpreters? I'm Grace Tiaflo, and I'm a member of the Young Professionals Council. What's up, interpreters? My name's Heather, and I'm the Corporate Engagements and Partnerships Manager for the National Association for Interpretation. What's up, interpreters? I'm Emily McCowan. I'm NAI's Visual Branding Specialist. So if you all would sort of explain what the Young Professional Council is, and then why is it important to NAI right now? Yeah, so the Young Professionals Council, which we like to call YPC for short, um, is a group of seven young professionals age ranging from 18 to 35. And we assist the national board in um, any questions they might have about us young professionals um, and assist them in providing a young professional's perspective to the board as well. And then we also have little committees ourselves to try and help young professionals along the way is what we're going for, but we're only about six months old at this point. So we're still a baby council. Grace, do you wanna to add to that? Yeah, we come from a variety of professions. Um, we had people working in academia, going back to school. We have people at zoos, museums, um, national parks, um, places big and small. And we also are in a slight variety of um, career stages. It's nice to see that we all have a, a variety of interests and backgrounds that really help um, make things more interesting and help us learn from each other. Um, would you tell us why you were interested in becoming part of the YPC? I was looking for a network of other young professionals who were in the same um, place of stage as me. Um, and so for me, with my experiences, um, it all comes, uh, uh, if you're in an internship program, sometimes you'll get to meet other people, but oftentimes you can be the only intern or the only young professional at your site. And so it can be a little bit hard to work with other people who are starting like they've been in their career for several decades and you're fresh out of school or you just graduated high school, you're still learning. Um, so that was one thing that I really wanted was to find a community in that respect. The other thing that I also wanted to learn more about was ways to support other young professionals, um, especially in a field that is um, lesser known and so oftentimes requires a little bit of explanation. And also every location has different hiring practices. Um, and so for me, that was really important to be able to support other people because for me personally, it took a little bit of navigating that field and reaching out to people, finding those resources, but I didn't have that when I started. So I was really grateful for the opportunity to be able to kind of help other people as they get started as well, because um, I know that that's a common theme for other people. Grace, will you just tell us what your role is and where you work right now? I'm sorry if you already said that and I didn't hear it. That's okay. So I'm a program coordinator at St. Louis University School of Medicine. So I help with community practicum courses. Um, and then I'm also getting my master's in American studies. So that's kind of the, the goal of it right now is to eventually someday go back to museums and do a little bit more with um, education and curriculum. So that's why I'm getting my, my degree right now. Grace, you sort of talked about this, but Katie, where do you see your future career goals heading? Um, ideally, I would like to end up as a naturalist or a conservation education specialist at the county conservation level in Iowa. Um, I have seen a little bit of a future in academia, but that's kind of 
future, like five, 10 years from now sort of thing. And you were kind of in the YPC from the beginning, right? Yes, I've been a part of the YPC. I was not a part of creating the charter for the YPC, but I was part of creating the application for it. And um, I wanted to join the YPC because um, my first national conference was in 2019. And I didn't see a whole lot of faces that looked like me. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of young and professionals like myself out there. So I wanted to help start creating that community that Grace was talking about and being a resource for other young professionals who have questions about the field or just need some help along the way. And so your first um, NAI conference was Denver. Yes. Probably where we met. How did, and that was through school, Katie? I'm just wondering how did you get uh, interested in the field of interpretation and involved in it? Yeah, so my first conference was I went with Kirkwood Community College in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. We took seven girls there and that's where I decided I want my wanted my conservation career to go um, towards education and interpretation and um, possibly one day into zoos, museums, and aquaria. But I like more of the nature center settings and like the national parks and things like that. Grace, I, I want you to answer the question too about how you got involved in interp. But Katie, while you're kind of on a roll, like, do you remember when you first heard the term interpretation or found out what it was? Um, I was a bit confused by it, if I'm being honest. I thought interpretation was like sign language and stuff, like most people think it is. They're like, oh, so you're like a language interpreter. And I'm like, no, I'm an outdoors interpreter. Like I interpret the outdoors, the plants, the flowers, the animals, the history of an area, that sort of thing. So once I got past the, oh, it's not language thing, things made a whole lot more sense for me. And was that in college? Yes, I was a year out of high school. So that would have been right before the conference in 2019. Grace, can you talk a little bit about that when you first learned of interpretation and then how did you get interested? Sure, so I studied history and political science at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And when I was in school, I knew I wanted to be involved with history, but I didn't necessarily see myself in a classroom. And so I asked my advisor about it and he directed me towards the Wisconsin Historical Society. And so I volunteered at the Wisconsin State Historical Museum and then was ended up hired there as a student educator where I gave tours. So I kind of started more from a museum education perspective. That's kind of the first term that I heard about it. Um, and then I did, um, after that was kind of when I made the transition into interpretation. Um, I had an internship at Big Hole National Battlefield in Montana. And I was, while I was an education intern, when I started there, I kept using the term education. And um, my lovely boss was like, actually, there is a difference. And that was the first time that I really heard about that. And that's also when I learned about NAI and took the NAI um, Certified Interpretive Guide class. 
But I'd always been interested in history. I grew up going to national parks as a kid with my family. Um, but it was really cool. It wasn't really till I was in high school that I learned that there were history park rangers or like history historical interpreters. I thought they were mostly focused on science, um, or at least those were the ones that I encountered growing up. And so I have gotten to do my fair share of interpreting nature and whatnot when I was a park ranger, but um, my focus and love has always been specifically historical interpretation. So where do you all see the future of interpretation going, and especially from a young professional's perspective? One thing that I think is really interesting about um, the future of interpretation is really how much it's changing. Um, I think that sometimes previously interpretation was kind of placed into boxes, uh, we have this historic house and we're going to talk only about the famous person who lived here, or we have this national park and we're only going to talk about the geologic formations that made the park famous. And now there's becoming more and more room for story, like greater expansion of stories of, hey, let's talk now about the enslaved people that worked at this house, or hey, let's also talk about the petroglyphs and the indigenous people that lived on this land. Um, and so I think that's one thing that's really exciting is the just the ability to have um, more stories and more information and really kind of keep those out of those boxes of that Yellowstone is known as a park that focuses on its natural wonders, but is including more information about the Buffalo Soldiers, for example, and all that history. Or there's parks like Gateway Arch National Park, which is um, focused on westward expansion initially when it was founded, but now is including more information about um, the biological diversity of the area. So it's really interesting seeing the growth of that. And I think that that's a great way to get more people interested in those places. That's awesome. You have a good perspective too, because it sounds like as a kid, you did a lot of these things. So you've seen a change even in that short time, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I really wish that I knew when I was a kid going to national parks of like, oh, there's no video games here, I'm bored. And But the, I thought that there was only one kind of interest of like, oh, we're on a hiking trail. Oh, we're at a visitor center and it's about like flora and fauna, which is really great for all those people who love it. But for me personally, that's just wasn't what I was interested in when I was little. I wish that there were those opportunities for history and more interaction um, that now we see more and more nowadays. Katie, do you want to answer? Yeah. I see the future of interpretation going a lot of different ways. Um, I see it turnover coming very quickly of older interpreters uh, who are soon to be retiring and um, young professionals like myself slowly stepping into their shoes and stuff. So I definitely see turnover in ages, but um, I'm curious as to how things will change like technology wise and stuff. Cause I know some people are like big no on having technology at their sites, but technology is really big right now. All of us um, young professionals have phones, we have apps. And so I'm curious to see how apps will be worked into interpretation now. Um, just like the agents of discovery I know is big with NAI. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to see that pop up more. Yeah, to agree with Katie's point, it is really exciting seeing how social media is being used as an interpretive tool nowadays, um, and how a lot of museums and parks are trying to make their visitor centers a lot more interactive, um, instead of just kind of wandering through and reading signs and stuff. 
which I love reading signs. So that's my own personal thing. But like in general, they're trying to reach out to a wider variety of audiences um, and really bring in new people that weren't being introduced to these concepts before. Absolutely. And sometimes technology lends itself to diversity and accessibility, right? So that helps. Um, and speaking of, do you do you have does the YPC or do you individually as interpreters have any goals for diversifying the field? So either through YPC or through your jobs? I'll let Grace talk about that because we do have a committee that is working with the Jedi group and Grace is a part of that committee. So Jedi is justice, equity, diversity, accessibility, and inclusion. And so that is a section within NAI. Um, and so we are exploring a partnership with them. And so um, they themselves as their section have been also getting off the ground. And so we haven't gotten super far yet, um, but that is something that we've been talking about with them. Um, I mentioned before that one thing that I personally am really passionate about is helping make hiring practices more equitable and more transparent. And so that's a huge thing when it comes to lack of diversity within the interpretation field is that a lot of internships are um, unpaid or underpaid. And so a lot of people can't afford to enter the field because they need something that's better or they need, um, or for example, um, in federal hiring practices, those, take off, those applications often take months. Um, and so that's very convoluted and very confusing for people who are trying to enter. And so that's one thing that members of the YPC are working on is we're hopefully going to have a panel at the national conference where we're going to answer questions directed towards young professionals and kind of focus on hiring practices, but also just um, elements in general of what it's like to be a young professional in, in this field. And then also create resources for managers of people who will be hiring and working with young professionals of how to support young professionals as they're entering the field, um, ways that they can be more equitable and bringing in a wider variety of people. So that's, there's just, there's so many different things we can focus on, but that's one of them. That's really good to hear talking about the hiring practices and application processes that can be super challenging. We just had a discussion yesterday with disabled interpreters, and that was a big uh, roadblock for a lot of folks trying to get through some of those processes. So that's super important. Um, I also wonder when you think when you talk about pay and stuff like that, I think you brought that up. Do you see yourselves being able to do this for your entire lives? I don't think I will be starting my official career out as an interpreter just because the pay is very low especially as seasonals and in order to get a full-time paying position you need to have experience but nobody wants to take the chance on you for experience is what I have ran into uh, because I just graduated this past May and it's not like I haven't been applying for jobs. It's that everybody's like, oh, we wish you had more experience. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to get any experience if nobody hires. So I think my long-term path might be very twisty turny at the beginning, but eventually I'll get there. Yeah, I'm in a similar scenario. When I graduated, I did um, I did AmeriCorps for a year. I taught English abroad for a year. I did a student conservation association internship. So it was 
I had the privilege to be able to do AmeriCorps and be able to work in an underpaid job. But then a lot of that ended up catching up to me. Then I did seasonal work with the Park Service. And so after a while, it was kind of, um, it just catches up with you. And so for me personally, that's why I chose to kind of pivot my career a little bit and work and start work at St. Louis University. And that's also why I'm going back to school. For what I'm looking at by getting a master's degree, it'll help open up more opportunities, whether um, because it'll make it a little bit easier if I choose to try to find a permanent position rather than seasonal, or it'll help um, with like more of a long term plan. Um, But definitely when it comes to people entering the field, people will often encounter internships or seasonal work and really struggle with making that livable and making it sustainable. Thank you. Can you talk a little bit more about your role at the national conference? Yes. So this year for nationals, we, of course, don't know quite yet if our session submissions have been accepted or not. But we hope to have a panel or two uh, about the Young Professionals Council, uh, one about the Young Professionals Council and then one about being a young professional in the field and Um, how to go about doing that. And then we also plan on having a young professionals uh, meetup right before the first timers meetup. That way, when going into the first timers meetup, it can be very overwhelming to see all of these people uh, that you have no idea who they are, but you can go in with a buddy that you just met 15 minutes ago. Um, And then we also will have either one or two lunches uh, set up. They'll still be in the main dining space, but Song will have some tables set aside specifically for young professionals and we'll have a sign. That way, if you're not exactly comfortable sitting with the older professionals, you can come over and sit with us. And then if you'd like one of us to go and sit at another table with you that next day, we're more than happy to do that as well. So we want our faces to be seen and we want people to be able to come up to us and be comfortable talking to us because they see us, they know us, hopefully we'll know their names by the third or fourth time we meet them. But there's a lot of people at nationals to remember all the names of, so. I mean, we also have our name tags, but so. Katie, you find a lot of value in at the conference. Oh yeah, I find a lot of value in going to the national conference, value in networking, value in um, adding things to my own toolbox to use. Eventually, it makes me more of an extroverted person going because I'm a very introverted person, but um seeing everybody talk to each other and everybody's just so friendly you can go up and just sit down next to somebody and have know like their entire life story in the next five minutes so it's great if someone starting out or maybe just coming out of high school wanted to get involved with the interpretation field what steps or resources would you recommend for them i highly recommend trying to get a seasonal position right out of high school in between your summers. Um, I know it can be hard, but find a seasonal position that you can work seasonally from uh, the 
middle end of May through the beginning end of August when you go back to school and hope that your other jobs will let you go away for the summer. But use your summers very wisely. Um, don't just do something to hopefully make quite a bit of money. Um, I know money is very important, but those summers in college are when you have time to gain the experience that you can. Um, and then if you're still in high school and interested, try and volunteer at your local nature center. Um, typically, they won't hire if you're under 18, but they typically accept volunteers that are under 18. That's my advice. I'm an extrovert, so this is my piece of advice, but the biggest thing that has helped me has been like cold calling or like cold emailing, I guess. Um, for me, if there's so the big so when I graduated college, I found a pers uh, Badger alum who was a park ranger and I randomly emailed him one day and said, I'd like to be a park ranger. Um, and he sent me a small novel back of how to apply and how to navigate the system. We had a Zoom call where he taught me how to write a federal resume and it was a wealth of information that I'm so grateful for. And so after that, my for me, my biggest piece of advice is really reaching out to people. I've had like decent success with, I would just email someone and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm at this stage in my career or I'm at this stage in school. I'd like to learn more about your career. Would you please have, would you be willing to have a Zoom call? Um, people love talking about themselves. Um, and so if you just email them and say, I'd love to learn about your career path, people are so willing to be helpful and share their experience with you. And then they'll often provide advice. And so for me, that's helped with oh, you should really look at this internship program or, hey, you should volunteer here or this place is hiring. Would you, you should, here's how to apply. Here's how to write a resume or cover letter. For me, that's been super helpful. And then I just have an, a Google spreadsheet where I just kind of hold on to their emails. And then every once in a while, I'll kind of reach back out with, hey, now I'm back in school doing this or, hey, I've moved and I'm now a position here. And that's been super helpful because people are really supportive and they're happy to see where you are in your career. It's a little scary, but I promise that people are really willing to help, especially in a career field that's a little bit more niche that people are still learning about that, what it is. Um, and so for me, I would just say like, go look at your na favorite nature center's website, looked at the staff. If they list their emails, just send them an email. I think that's a really great way to learn more. That's a great point, Grace. We also have um, a mentorship program through NAI mm -hmm. um, that I don't know if you both are involved in, but certainly mentorship is important in general, but you're right in this field, it really can help. So thank you for mentioning that. I am a part of the mentorship. Um, right now I'm just a mentee, but I am open to taking mentees myself to be a mentor. Uh, so people can just look me up on the interpreters network i'm also willing to help answer any questions if people have them well thank you grace and katie for being on uh what's up interpreters today and that's what's, what's up, up, what's up, up interpreters, interpreters.